Good evening, church family. What a great joy and blessing it is to come and worship our God together. I trust that you've been encouraged as we've come to worship this evening. If you have your Bibles, I can ask you to ask you to turn with me to Psalm 107. 107. Uh, as you would know, this is Thanksgiving month, and to our shame, we haven't had a sermon on Thanksgiving, and that's a problem I'm hoping to rectify this evening. And I want to draw our attention to this particular psalm. Uh, this is a psalm that highlights for us how God has redeemed His exiled people, and it calls us to the appropriate response, which is thankfulness. And before we read, and I'm going to ask the team to help me read this evening, I want you to see something of how this psalm fits together, because this is really a beautiful psalm in the way that uh, the psalmist has structured this. Uh, by my reading, there are at least three parts to this psalm. The first section is the prologue in verse 1, and really explains the what question. Uh, what is this psalm calling us to? Well, it's calling us to give thanks to the Lord. Uh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For He is good. That's what verse 1 says. For His steadfast love endures forever. And God's steadfast love is expanded in the next section, which is the main body of this psalm in from verse 2 to verse 42, which gives us the why of the psalm. Uh, why must we give thanks to the Lord? Because His steadfast love, in His steadfast love, He has redeemed His people. In verse 2 to 3, uh, we see from where He has redeemed them. Uh, you see that teased out for you from verse 4 onwards. If you look at verse 4, verse 10, verse 17, verse 23, you see that word some. There we see how in verse 4 to 9, He redeemed them from waywardness. Uh, verse 10 to 16, how he redeemed these people from imprisonment. How he redeemed them, verse 17 to 22, from sickness. And then finally from hopelessness in verse 23 to 32. And we see here that not only has God redeemed them, but we see a similar pattern. Uh, firstly, the problem is highlighted. And then that is followed up with a prayer to God. And that prayer is answered by God providing for them. And as a result, there's a call to praise God in thankfulness. You'll see that come out quite clearly. But ultimately, these four stories of redemption in the psalm point us to God's steadfast love. In verse 32 to 30, 42, we see God's attitude, however, also toward his people and toward the enemies of his people. God curses the wicked twice, and he blesses the upright twice. And all of this is meant to display for us God's goodness and His steadfast love. He's a God who saves His people and provides for His people. And therefore, the right response is thankfulness. And so the psalm ends with an epilogue in verse 43, which explains how. How must we give thanks? How do, how do we grow in gratitude? Ultimately, by considering His steadfast love. Is that me or is that something else? Anyway, it's me. Anyway, uh, let's read and hopefully that noise disappears. And thankful for the team who are going to help us read this evening. This is God's word here at Psalm 107. I give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he, find, he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous words works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men, and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth is wise, let him tend to these things, let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And so from the reading of God's word, may you reform our lives to its truth. Uh, will you pray with me? 
<coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are not a God who is silent, but a God who speaks and not only speaks, but works wonders. Thank you that you are a God who has performed great and mighty acts of old. You have worked in our salvation. You have redeemed us from our sin. You have saved us in your Son. And as we reflect upon all that your love has done for us, would you not stir within us a greater and deeper desire for more of you, for greater appreciation of your love, a greater delight in your love? We thank you, dear Lord, that you are a God who hears and a God who delivers. And so even this evening, would you not draw near to us? Would you not help us to think through and uh, wrestle through the psalm and apply it to our lives so that we would live lives that are pleasing and acceptable in your sight, lives that glorify you as the one who is worthy of praise and majesty and adoration. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. A story is told of a godly farmer who was invited to have dinner with a well-known gentleman from a nearby town. And while dining with this gentleman, the farmer asked if he could pray for the food that they were about to enjoy. And to the former shock, however, this gentleman responded with mockery. This is old-fashioned, he said. He continued to say, it's not customary for well-educated people to pray before they eat. To this farmer, to this response, the farmer responded by saying, oh, okay, that's fine. I'm used to it because there are many on my farm who do not thank God for their food either. And you can perhaps see where this is going. And so with great excitement, the gentleman responded and said, Ah, then who are these splendid and sensible people? Who are these enlightened folks? And the farmer paused and responded, Well, my pigs... What that farmer with a bit of tongue-in-cheek was implying is that there's very little difference between a foolish pig and an ungrateful person. I think the Bible would agree. It is foolishness to be ungrateful. Paul tells us that one of the defining marks of the unbeliever is their ingratitude. Romans 1.21, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. Verse 22 says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools. It's interesting then, isn't it, that verse 23 of our psalm says, That whoever is wise, let him attend these things, let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. See, the wise person, unlike the fool, will see and consider all that God has done and will be moved to thankfulness. See, if the foolish unbeliever is marked by unthankfulness, this psalm says that the wise believer is marked by thankfulness. 
And one implication of this is that the true Christian ought to be marked by gratitude. As one of our Baptist forefathers, John Gill, said, an unthankful Christian is a very odd sound, if not a contradiction. And the Bible couldn't be clearer on this, actually. I consider three passages very quickly. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is God's will for you? Thankfulness. Or consider Ephesians 5 verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thankfulness. What must characterize our speech? Thankfulness. Or consider Colossians 2 verse 6 to 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What is the fruit of, of a life rooted in Christ? You guessed it, thankfulness. I trust we get the point. Christians are called to be thankful. And right there you can perhaps spot the problem. The Bible doesn't tell us to breathe, right? We do that naturally, yet the Bible tells us again and again, be thankful. Why? Because it doesn't come naturally to us. Every parent with little kids knows this. If you come to our house, you will often hear this conversation. What must I say? Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Papa. Why? Because thankfulness is taught. It doesn't come naturally. I just rem remember Luke 17, after Jesus heals the ten lepers, how many give thanks? Contrary to what Sophia told me this morning, not two, no, only one gives thanks. You see, those nine lepers are a picture of us by nature, aren't they? Uh, people who, who fail to give thanks as they ought. Henry Scudder, therefore, was right. There is no sin more common than unthankfulness. It's so easy for us, isn't it, to become unthankful? It's so easy for us to, to grumble and complain, especially when we see the world around us, the state of our country. Tell me, how many times this week did you wake up thankful because you have another day? How many times this week did you end your day giving thanks because you survived the day? How many moments this week can you remember were moments of gratitude and thanksgiving for all that you had, all that you enjoyed? And compare perhaps those moments with the moments where you grumbled and complained. See, if you're like me, the unthankful moments far outweigh the thankful ones. And see, this is why Psalm 107 matters. Not only does it tell us, be thankful, and not only does it give us reasons why we must be thankful, but it tells us how we can cultivate greater thankfulness. 
Uh, the key verse of this psalm, I would suggest, is verse 43. That's the key that, that opens the door to greater thankfulness. And what is that key? It's this. Consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Uh, this evening, then, I, I want us to be obedient to that command. I, I want us to consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And I want us to consider three aspects of this love that will cultivate greater thankfulness, but also safeguard us from three thieves of thankfulness. And so let's start with the first thing to consider. This evening, consider why God's steadfast love is needed. Consider why God's steadfast love is needed. Throughout the psalm, God reminds his people from where he redeemed them. Because of sin, they were in exile. Because of sin, they found themselves in trouble. And the psalmist mentions four specific situations. Verse 4, some were wandering in desert wastelands, tired and hungry. Verse 10, some were imprisoned in darkness, wasting away in bonds. Verse 17 to 18, some were sick, drawing near to the very gates of death. Verse 23 and 26, some were lost at sea without courage, without hope. See, all of these describe the state of God's people before he redeemed them. All of these explain why they needed God to intervene with his love. Now, when I read this, I can't but think to myself, Shane, that's describing you. That's, that's where you were. You realize these descriptions are, are true of all of us before God intervened in our lives. We were all wandering in this world, impoverished and unsatisfied by this world. We were all imprisoned in darkness, enslaved to our sin and, our, and this world and its delights. We, we were all sickened by our sin so much so that if we stayed in it, we would have ended up with eternal death. We were all lost without God, engulfed by hopelessness and despair, being without God and without hope. See, God, in describing these situations, wants us to see why we need His steadfast love. He wants us to see the trouble we were in without His love. Now, why point this out? Why show us our need? Because only when we see our need, only when we see where God has saved us from, will we be moved to give thanks to the Lord. See, a failure to see our need is often the cause behind a failure to give thanks. Tell me, if someone ran to you and, and they tackled you, pushed you down to the ground, you probably wouldn't be happy. But if you found out that a car or something was about to hit you and that person pushed you down to, to save you, your anger, no doubt, would be turned to thanks. And so it is with us. For, for us to abound with thankfulness to God, we need to be aware of our need before God. See, because of sin... We found ourselves in exile and in trouble, yet it's right there in our trouble, in our need, in our exile, that, that God's love finds us. 
Isn't that the point of Romans 5, right? While we were still sinners, God loved us. While we were enemies hostile to God, He set a plan to save us. See, seeing our need motivates thankfulness. Psalm 108 says it this way. The very next Psalm, verse 30 to 31, With my mouth I'll give thanks to the Lord. I'll praise Him in the midst of the throng. Why? For He stands at the right hand of the needy one to save Him from those who condemn His soul to death. I, I, I wonder... Perhaps we aren't marked by thankfulness because there's no awareness of our need. Perhaps it's the case that we haven't been thankful for God's love because we haven't seen our, our, desire, our deep need for His intervening love. And here I think is the first thief to thankfulness, and that is self-righteousness. What do you call it when someone fails to see their sin? What do you call it when someone fails to see their need? It's, it's self-righteousness, isn't it? See, the self-righteous never see their sin. They, they never see their need. And as a result, they, they're never truly thankful. Rather, they're arrogant and pride and boastful. And dear friends, let us be wary of the self-righteousness. Let us not lose sight of the fact that we are by nature a needy people. We have sinned against a holy God. We are in trouble because of our sin. And if it was not for God's love that reaches out in our sin to save us, we would be lost. Every single one of us. And so to militate against self-righteousness, to, to motivate greater thankfulness, consider why you need God's steadfast love. Imagine with me what your life would be if God removed His goodness. Imagine what life would be if He withheld His love. That would literally be hell on earth, wouldn't it? And so see your need of His love. So that's the first thing to consider this evening. Here's the second. Consider how God's steadfast love is revealed. Consider how His steadfast love is revealed. This psalm not only shows us our need, but it beautifully shows us our Savior. And who's that? It's, it's Yahweh, the Lord our God. It's the one who hears our prayers and, and intervenes in His steadfast love. We see four times in the psalm how people in their need cry out to God for help. You see the same uh, repetition, verse 6, verse 13, verse 19, verse 28. We see the same cry. Then they cry to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. See, when the wanderer is lost and about to faint, this is the God who, who sweeps in and gives strength and, and satisfies. That when the prisoner is bound helplessly in darkness, this is a God who, who breaks the bones and grants freedom. When the sick are knocking on death's door, this is a God who, who speaks life, who brings healing. When the hopeless are overwhelmed, this is a God who quiets the storms and grants peace. 
All of these are a picture of and a glimpse of how God's love is, is, is shown to meet us in our need. And not only do these, these pictures show us our need and what we're saved from, they, they show us what we're saved to. The wanderer, once lost, now has a home. The, the, the prisoner, once bound, now has freedom. The, the sick, once on death's door, has healing and life. The overwhelmed, once restless, finds peace and rest. Oh, what blessings there are in God's steadfast love. Now, now I don't have the time for it this evening, but I cannot help notice how each of these is a picture that points us to Christ and, and all the blessings we have in Jesus. Think about it. L look at verse 4. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way, no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Doesn't the New Testament tell us that Jesus wandered hungry and thirsty in the wilderness against our foe? Doesn't it tell us that, that He is the way to the Father? Doesn't it tell us that, that He is the bread of life that whoever comes to Him will never hunger and thirst? I consider verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God. Doesn't the New Testament tell us that Jesus came to, to set the captive free? Doesn't it tell us that he came to proclaim good news to the captives, that if he sets you free, you're free indeed? And, and how does he free us? Well, he himself bears our bonds. He is bound up and carried away. As a prisoner. Verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities suffered affliction. Doesn't the New Testament tell us that Jesus became sin for us? That he was afflicted with our sin. And doesn't it tell us that he did that to save us? So that we would not die eternally. Or consider verse 23 and 26. Some went down to the sea in ships. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. Again, doesn't the New Testament tell us that Jesus stilled the storms? That he himself is our peace. The, the prince of peace who, who calls all of us to come to him to find rest. See, this psalm describes, yes, the, the steadfast love of the Lord that meets us in our need, but points us to the Son of God who came to us in our need, who, who came into our distressed humanity, and who in love met us in our need to save us. And He is the greatest display, the greatest revelation of God's steadfast love. First John 4, 9 says this, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. I wonder if we truly grasped this reality, this love of God in Christ, surely thankfulness would abound. But realize this, this psalm isn't just describing something God did once. 
No, it's describing who our God is by his very nature. He's a God who by nature he is loving and who hears and, and delivers those who cry out to him. As Psalm 145 verse 19, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. As Psalm 59.1, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that he cannot hear. Dear friends, behold who our God is. He's a God of love who saves and some of you sitting here this evening need to be introduced or reintroduced to this God. And maybe you feel like you're wandering aimlessly in this world, going about with a lot, without purpose and hungry and thirsty for something more in this life. And maybe you feel imprisoned by your sin, you're in bondage to your guilt and your grief over your sin that, that you just can't break. And maybe you feel sickened by sin, You've lost all liveliness to you. It's strangling the life out of you. Maybe you just feel overwhelmed by life. Your strength is spent. Your soul is crushed by grief and pain. Your, your soul is restless without peace. Well, if you found yourself there, consider the love of God that is steadfast. Consider how this love is available to those who call out to him and cry for help. Consider how this love is extended to those who would but believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so know this, this is the good news of God's steadfast love. It's still available. If God is to be thanked for his love, how much more so must he not be thanked and praised for the fact that his love is steadfast? And so no matter what situation you find yourself in, here it is available for you. If you would but call out to him and rest in him, believe upon his son. But here I think we come to the second thief of thankfulness, and that is self-sufficiency. One of my previous pastors always used to say, there's only two saviors. Either Jesus saves you or you save yourself. And that I think is true. Many people, instead of looking to God's love, instead of trusting in Him and believing upon Jesus... They look to and rely upon themselves, their religiosity, their good works, their abilities, their gifts, their accomplishments, their position. They boast in all that they have. They boast in all that they've done. And do you think such people are, are naturally marked by thankfulness? No, why would they be? They are consumed with themselves. Uh, one author put it this way. Preoccupied with ourselves, we have lost the grace of being thankful. It is sad to live in a world where there is no one to thank because we have ourselves become the cause and source of all good things. And realize the self-sufficient person not only fails to see their need, 
but they fail to see the loving provision of God. They, they fail to see that they live and move and have their being in God, that every breath, every gift, every ability is from God. And therefore, there's a lack of thankfulness. And so, beloved, to militate against this self-sufficiency, to, to motivate greater thankfulness, Consider how God's love has been revealed. Look at Christ. Look at the gospel. Look at the cross. See the depths to which God's love has gone to save you. And not just save you, but provide for you in the abundance of his love. And so consider how God's love is revealed. Thirdly, consider what God's steadfast love requires. Consider what God's steadfast love requires. This psalm highlights our need as well as our Savior, but quite importantly, it also highlights our responsibility. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, a quadriplegic, put it this way: "Giving thanks is a matter of is not a matter of feeling thankful, but a matter of obedience." This is something that we are called to do, regardless of what we have or how we feel. Uh, makes me think of that story of a little boy who was asked to give thanks for the food. And he looked at the food and bowed his head and said, Lord, I don't like what I see, but I'm thankful I'm going to eat it anyway. But you realize, beloved, we don't look at something that's bad. No, we have something before us that is good. And that's God's steadfast love. And therefore, thankfulness is a, a delight that is a duty, a duty that is a delight. That's what we see in the psalm. Notice the repeated exhortation. Verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, verse 31. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. See, every time God delivers his people, the exhortation is given to give thanks. And realize thankfulness is the right response to God's steadfast love. In fact, when we rightfully thank God, we rightly glorify God. Consider Psalm 50, verse 22 to 23. Mark this then. You forget God, lest I tear you apart, and there be none to deliver you, an apt description of the unbeliever. And then it says, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. Realize when we withhold thanks from God, we rob God of the glory that is rightly His. Thomas Brooks puts this way, Unthankfulness is the greatest injustice that may be. It is withholding from the great landlord of heaven and earth His due and debt. And see, when we understand this, when we understand that thanks to God is His due, and, and when we realize that this is what it requires, then the result won't just be thanksgiving, but if we could say it this way, thanks living. Not just once off saying thank you, God, but constantly living our life in thankfulness. Why? Because God's goodness envelops all of life. Look at verse 1. It exhorts us, Oh, give thanks for the Lord, for He is good. And remember just how expansive his goodness is. Romans or Psalm 145 verse 9. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he's made. 
or Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. Or James 1, 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. See, God has been good. His goodness is, is pervasive. It envelops all of life. And, and therefore, the thankfulness that is appropriate for this God is not just thanksgiving, but thanksgiving. That's what First Thessalonians 5.18 is about. Give thanks in all circumstances. And realize, dear friends, if this is what thankfulness requires, if this is the right response, it means that we must seek thankfulness with greater discipline. It means we must discipline ourselves to give thanks, to, to look for opportunities to thank God. It means that at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day and in between, we purpose, purposely open our eyes to see what God has done so that we can give Him the thanks for what He has done, for what He has given, for how He has displayed His steadfast love. I asked you earlier, how many moments can you recall this week where you honestly gave thanks? Let me ask you an even difficult, more difficult question. How many times did you pray asking God to open your eyes so that you can give thanks? Now you might say, well Shane, that's a bit, that sounds a bit harsh. That sounds like a Puritan. That's like some of, some of those guys would say. That's what this psalm is calling us to. That's what verse 43 is all about. Consider the steadfast love of God, which means he wants us to think upon and reflect and, and look for ways in which God has revealed his love. Uh, consider with me very quickly Psalm 111 verse 1. Praise the Lord. I'll give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. But what motivates this, this wholehearted thanksgiving? Verse 2, great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. I, I'd venture to say, and I actually mentioned this to someone this morning, I'd venture to say one of the reasons I'm not as thankful as I ought to be is because quite simply I'm not considering and studying God's works enough. I realize that's one of the reasons we, we fail to, to give thanks for all that we have because we're not seeing all that God has done. And what is it that keeps us from, from seeing what God is doing? What's keeping us from seeing His works? Well, there's the third thief to thankfulness, and that is self-centeredness. See how often we forget our responsibility, how often we fail to see God's handiwork because we're too preoccupied with ourselves. Our own wants, our own desires, our own exaltation, our own position, our own praise. Yes, let's thank God for His steadfast love, but realize God's steadfast love isn't lavished on us to turn us in on ourselves. No, it's given it's extended that we would be enthralled with God. 
that we would praise and adore and glorify Him, that He would be the supreme object of our love. That He would become all and all. And you know what the result is when you start being about yourself and you start being all about God? You know what the result is, what happens when you seek His glory first and not your own? What happens is you actually get blessed by it. You actually receive God's goodness and enjoy more of it. That's what you see in verse 33 to 42. If you read those verses in context, we realize that God curses the unthankful, the the wicked who live life without thought to Him. But He blesses the upright. He he blesses the one who walks rightly, who lives before Him in, in the fear of God, with integrity, thanking God. It's interesting, isn't it? Seek your own glory and there's no good for you. But seek His glory and you are blessed with His goodness. Uh, The Puritans understood this. Henry Scudder understood this. Listen to what he says. There is not any service of God more beneficial to man than to be thankful. For it makes those gifts of God which are good in themselves to be good to you. And they are the best preservatives of good things to you. Thankfulness for former blessings are real requests for further favors as well as the best security for them. For God will not withdraw his goodness from the thankful. What's he saying? He's saying thankfulness opens the door for more of God's blessings. Thankfulness where you recognize and glorify God for all that he has done as the most supreme in your life. Thankfulness guarantees greater enjoyment of God. Again, to quote another one of them, John Owen, there is no duty that leaves a more heavenly savor or taste in the soul than thankful praise. And so, dear beloved, if you want to militate against self-centeredness, if you want to motivate yourself to greater thankfulness, Consider what God's love requires. Consider the the duty of thankfulness, but remember that this duty is actually delight. It's a means through which you can greater have a greater enjoyment of your God. And so, those are the three considerations I'd I'd like to leave you from the psalm. Firstly, consider why God's steadfast love is needed. Remember your need. Remember where God's love met you. Uh, Consider how God's steadfast love is revealed. Remember your Savior. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ, who grants you peace and rest, freedom and life. And consider what God's steadfast love requires. Remember your responsibility to thank Him regardless of how you feel, regardless of the challenges you face. And when you consider these things, when you remember these things, not only will it militate against these thieves of unthankfulness or thieves of thankfulness, but they move you to greater thankfulness for God's steadfast love. Now, before I conclude, I do think it's important to notice that the thankfulness in the psalm is both private and public. 
Look at verse 1 to 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed say so. Let them declare it. Let them proclaim it, whom He has redeemed from trouble. Look at verse 22. And let them offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and tell of His deeds in songs of joy. Verse 32, let them extol him in the congregation and praise him in the assembly of the elders. May I suggest to you, when we taste and see God's goodness, when we experience his steadfast love, when we grow in thankfulness for these things, then it makes us better encouragers and better evangelists. Uh, thankfulness makes us better encouragers because when our brothers and sisters find themselves in trouble, when they find themselves lonely in that desert again, enslaved to that sin again, we can remind them that God's love is steadfast. We can speak from experience that God hears and answers prayer. And we can encourage one another. But thankfulness also makes us better evangelists because when those around us are wandering this world without hope, when those around us are enslaved to their sin, when they're sick because of their sin, when they're hopeless because this world has no hope, we can tell them from first-hand experience and great joy of what we have seen and heard in Jesus. We can tell them of what we have tasted and seen in God's goodness. We can share with them the good news of God's love. And so may we be thankful so that we would be useful. Useful in exalting our God as we praise Him for His steadfast love. Useful in encouraging one another with God's steadfast love. And useful in evangelizing the lost with the good news that God is loving and His love is steadfast. May the Lord help us in this. Give us the grace to be thankful for all that he's done for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your steadfast love. And we want to ask that you'd help us to respond appropriately even this evening. Help us to reflect and consider and see all the manifold ways in which you have been good to us. Not just the breath that we breathe, not just the life we enjoy, not just the family that we have, the friends, the blessings, the careers, but the Savior we have. The Lord Jesus Christ who has given himself for us on the tree of Calvary. Help us to reflect and to see all of these ways in which you have been loving to us and help us to respond with thanksgiving, thankfulness, lives that make much of you and all that you have done. Would you not do this in our midst? Would you not change and transform us to be a thankful people in this place? A thankful people that tell others of all that we have seen and heard in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this all in his name. Amen. Amen.